your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Every time I hear this music, this is how I want to talk. <laughs> Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom in this studio with me, as always, on a Friday, most always, a UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Really, the only time that you're not in here is when I'm not in here. So. Happy Friday, Rick. If Hayes is do- doing the show, maybe you should just come in anyway. And I should. And I, I mean, it, it, would you do that? I mean, Absolutely. He walks around, though. He got, he's got the headset on. And oh, he, okay. He wanders around. Okay. Not all that different from you. When you're on, the I phone. do. When I'm on the, it drives my wife crazy. When I'm doing a phone interview with you or Hayes, I wander around. What's really weird is when you're on Zoom and you're you're carrying the laptop <laughs> around, and everybody on ABC this week is like, Trigoski, why are you walking around? Why is the camera moving? You were on ABC though, huh? I, I was on ABC. I've done about, yeah. Is, my wife tells me that I need to start saying no to these interview requests. So, Rick, I might start saying no to. The Friday edition of Lacrosse Talk PM. Sorry to report. Unbelievable. What am <laughs> I going to do? I've done over a dozen interviews this week. Uh, just so much interest in the primary elections from the national media. Lots of interest from the statewide media about the local House of Representatives race. I mean, you are, you are not exaggerating when you said before the primary that the third congressional district. The U.S. House of Representatives district right here in western Wisconsin. I try. So Ron Kine says this all the time. He's like, western Wisconsin. He says that. And I was typing that one day, and I go, wait a minute. It's also central Wisconsin because yes. it's the bicep district. It goes right in and grabs, grabs UW-Stevens Point. We need a couple of Democratic votes here. We're going to grab those and take those from Tom Tiffany. I like that. Yeah, I was just doing an interview with PBS Wisconsin about this because there's just so much intrigue surrounding the competition between Derek Van Orden and Brad Paff. The people with PBS Wisconsin really want to learn more about this race. And they asked me, well, what is Derek Van Orden all about? What is Brad Paff all about? What is this district like? Really a lot of interest in this race. It's capturing statewide attention and, in fact, national attention. Well, that's, you know what? I, I got sidetracked because you said before the primary, the nation is interested in this, well, not little district, but this, you know, in, in reference to the nation, little district in, in, in tiny little Wisconsin, insignificant Wisconsin, which is all of a sudden, if you want to rank the states in terms of, the the most important in the United States when it comes to the the midterms and maybe even like if you want to go to twenty twenty four is Wisconsin is there a more important state than Wisconsin? No, it's wild how Wisconsin punches above its weight in terms of political importance. I mean, we're a mid sized state. We have a decent population, but. 10, 10 electoral votes. I mean, we're not California or New York or Texas in terms of our size, but in terms of our importance, the unique nature of the electoral college means that we're one of the only states that actually matters in presidential elections because most states are guaranteed to go one way or the other. We're closely divided. Because there's there's other states that are, hmm, are we left or right, right? I sure. mean. 
But how many of those other states have 10 electoral vote college votes to divvy out? Yeah, not that many, Rick. I mean, you have maybe five, six, seven states that are routinely in play and that can be pivotal in a presidential election. What what state would be just like right on the, the cusp, right next to Wisconsin in terms of like, you know what, the nation's really watching this state? Uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania. Okay, so in Pennsylvania, are they having this conversation? But they're saying Pennsylvania is the most important state and maybe there's a house district. In Pe- is, that, is that probably how it works, you think? It is, Rick, because... In any given so presidential election, you don't know which one is going to be the decisive state. We're we're playing we're homers here. We are, though, legitimately speaking, we have been the pivotal state, the one that put the winner over the top in the last two presidential elections. Is Donald Trump over at a Michigan rally for his governor pick? Is he in Pennsylvania at a Pennsylvania rally for his governor pick? I don't know these things. He very well could be. He has strong allies. In other words, you don't know either. Because well, <laughs> he was because he was at Tim. He he held a rally for Tim Michaels. Tim Michaels. And I couldn't tell you if that's happening in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, because even though Ron Kine calls me a political calls us political junkies, political junkie. I'm not going to Pennsylvania to see how the politics is working. No, he has a strong ally running in the race for governor in both races, and they are highly competitive races, just like the race for governor is here. But Tim Michaels really became identified with Donald Trump in a big way. And that's for a couple of reasons, Rick. I mean, we've speculated that it's because of their shared backgrounds that you know, Trump saw a friend, so Trump saw someone he could get behind in Tim Michaels. But there's also some really amusing reporting from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about this that said one reason Trump wanted to get behind Tim Michaels instead of Rebecca Clayfish is that he saw a picture with Rebecca Clayfish's daughter going to high school homecoming with Brian Hagedorn's son. Now, Brian Hagedorn is the swing justice on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. One one would argue he's the only justice that isn't going... Because we, yeah, he's we, the only unpredictable justice, right? Well, and then you know, like a what would we call it? A constitutionalist would be like he's the only one going by the book, and the other ones are just you know we're left, we're right. Absolutely, there are three predictably Democratic liberal justices, three predictably Republican conservative justice. Hagedorn leans conservative, but he's unpredictable because in the 2020 election aftermath, he ruled against Donald Trump when Donald Trump was trying to challenge the results of the election. So all. The right wing gets pissed at him. They get mad at Brian Hagedorn. Trump notices that Hagedorn is the guy who cast the decisive vote against him. Who posted this picture of his daughter on the... Rebecca Clayfish posted the fateful picture on her Twitter. Like, torpedoed her own campaign. It almost is that simple. (laughs) Because Donald Trump doesn't... If Donald Trump doesn't endorse Tim Michaels... He's not. If he doesn't doesn't endorse anybody, do you think that's five points? Clayfish wins. Yeah. Okay. And Clayfish walks away with this thing if Trump endorses her. How many points does Mike Pence give Rebecca Clayfish? Because I call it negative two. (laughs) Honestly, like if if Mike Pence endorses me for, for, wow, the vice president, I'd be like, "Mm, I'm good, Mike. Actually, don't say anything. I don't want to go to your little, he didn't hold a rally. He held a little meeting. And like in Mike Pence style, we're going to have this like round table but I don't I don't want your like if Joe Biden 
was if I'm trying to run in Wisconsin and Joe Biden's going to like Brad Passman endorsed by Joe Biden. Do you want Joe Biden's endorsement? I mean, he no. is the president. No. Well, you want his endorsement, but you don't want him actively involved in the campaign. You don't want him holding a rally no. in what, what county would would uh, Joe Biden? You know, OK, so Waukesha County, Milwaukee sure. is like the, the right wing county in, yes. in left wing Milwaukee County or Milwaukee area. It's those suburbs surrounding Milwaukee yeah. that are so key. So, and Republicans always go there because... Yes, they do. You told me this last week. Why do we hold a rally in Waukesha as a Republican? Yeah, it's because that's typically the decisive county in Republican primary elections. Oh, that's right. There are so many conservatives there. It's so Republican that if you can win that county, it's likely that you would win the statewide primary. Now, Clayfish won that county, just not by enough. Oh, interesting. Okay, so Joe Biden's going to hold a rally for, um, well, it'd be Tony Evers, right? I'm trying sure. to think. No, let's go Mandela Barnes, right? There's the, uh, what is he going? He's just going to Milwaukee, right? Because I feel like sure. Mandela Barnes has that wrapped up. You don't, I don't, Joe, I don't need you to go to Milwaukee. Does he come? Where does he go? I, I don't know that Joe Biden is useful in, in this election because Mandela had his political rise in Milwaukee. But, oh, yes. But Joe Biden says, I want to hold a rally for you. Does Mandela say no? He might say no. He might honestly. say no. Okay. But okay. Like hypothetically says, yes. I th- Does he go to Green Bay? Because he, I'm just trying might. to think. I'm yeah. trying to think of like the most... Like Milwaukee's wrapped up, Madison's wrapped up. Mandela doesn't have to worry about that. Lacrosse no. is too small, I think. Green, you, is, you know, in a really close Hamilton? election, Lacrosse could be decisive. Green Bay, I do think, is a likely suspect for a place where you would see a lot of campaign activity. It's large enough and swingy enough. You don't quite know what the margin's going to be in Green Bay. It could be important. Yeah, Fox Cities, I think, is the same way in yeah. the Appleton area. All right, we got to take a break. I just noticed the time. We actually, and, and I'm sorry to everybody listening, we went deep dive on politics <laughs> way too early for us Friday. Like, usually we sneak that in. When we come back, we're going to talk about whether or not you want a restaurant to steal your phone before you go in to eat. Almost went Bob Seeger there on a Friday. <laughs> Whew. Bob Seeger sneaking into the third eye blind. Uh, chart on my on my screen here <laughs> it says third eye blind and you drag it into the into the log and it is not 608 75 7914 is the talk and text line UW lacrosse political science professor anthony Trigoski, phd is in here with me a couple of stories up on the wisdomnews.com website and i always like to say it like this Trigoski. you can go to wisdomnews.com and read the story or you can go to facebook or twitter and and rant about it uh by you know retweeting quote tweeting or just getting in the comment section uh i i I, when i'm doing hayes's show in the morning i say i say this about scott robert shaw's comment right because that's always the fun part is the you literally get to go um talk crap about the the, because it's scott's comment you know it's not like i don't have a rick's comment you might see a story that i wrote but it's not a rick's comment um gableman fired he's the uh the dude hired $11,000 a month, costing $1.1 million of taxpayer money to look at the election investigation. So that's news. Uh, the House passed the Climate uh, Inflation Reduction Act, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't yep. we didn't send it. The, the, there was no way in H that the House was going to send this back to the Senate, right? Like, no, no way. No. Um, the House probably should 
okay, the House has got to pass stuff. The U.S. House has got to pass stuff to get the Senate to do something about it. And then the Senate kind of finagles it so that it's uh, Joe Manchin, right? Yes. Or Kristen Sinemud. We've got we've to appease the, the millionaire donors in Arizona. I don't know why. Why would anyone be happy with this, Republican or Democrat? You, nobody should be happy about what Kristen Sinema does to this bill. You can dislike the bill, but when Kristen Sinema does the thing that the Republicans are also doing and, and just crash, we gotta we gotta take out this loophole for we gotta uh, we gotta re, re not remove but keep the loophole for corporations to get you know finagle their way out of taxes somehow. She needs that in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of frustration with Kirsten Cinema. There's talk about challenging her in a primary election. But she's not up Arizona. for a while, right? She's up in 2024. So there's already laying the groundwork to challenge her in a primary election. That's what you do nowadays when you're not happy with someone in your party. You just challenge them in the primary election. Heck, that's what happened to Robin Voss, the guy we just mentioned. He got challenged in a primary election by Adam Steen and almost lost. The most powerful Republican in state government here in Wisconsin just scraped by with a couple hundred votes margin. And that's straight up because of the endorsement of donald trump absolutely donald trump had become increasingly frustrated with robin voss because robin voss would not go along with the plan to decertify the 2020 election two factors in this right donald trump endorses robin voss's opponent who i couldn't name you you name him but you're you know deep, deep diving but into this Ad- adam steen the point is rick he was completely unknown politically no funding Barely enough money to print brochures for his campaign. He gets the endorsement from Donald Trump, and that single-handedly almost helps him beat the most powerful Republican in Wisconsin state government. Right. So, but there's two factors. So that's one factor that that almost takes down the most powerful, longest-standing House Speaker in Wisconsin's politics. Right. The second factor, the district's totally gerrymandered. Yep. Like the the district is bunched in. All the Republicans into that, and then the you know we'll give up the district to the left or to the right, or we'll throw the Democrats into that district. It's totally gerrymandered. So therefore, and people that are like, yeah, it's not, or gerrymandered doesn't exist. Gerrymandered is a problem for Republicans in this regard. It almost took out Robin Voss. He might want to. He might want to think, man, this is going to be maybe for the next ten years. I'm going to have to fight for my seat now, but not against a Democrat, against some other Republican that the tr- the president doesn't like. This is the thing about gerrymandering, Rick, and it's the big effect that it has. We've seen this in the House of Representatives with redistricting in the past year, and we see it in Wisconsin with how the districts are drawn. The major effect is that your only competition could come from a member of your own party. There's almost zero competition between the two parties. That's what makes our district here in Western, well, and Central Wisconsin, mm-hmm. so unique, the House District, because it's one of the very few competitive districts that are in the nation. It's literally the, well, is it literally the only competitive district, or do we have two now? Because we took Governor Tony Evers' maps, not we, but the Wisconsin Supreme Court decided we'll take Governor Tony Evers' maps for the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, there is a more competitive district in the Milwaukee area in southern Wisconsin now. It's not going to be competitive this year. Brian Stile, a Republican representative, he's not going to be seriously challenged this year. He could be in the future, but it's let's just think about that. Like It's crazy now that we have two out of eight districts that are competitive, potentially. That's a wild 
amount of districts that are competitive, which is pretty sad. It's it is fun though because then we we get to uh, we get to watch how Brad Paff has to go to the center, right? And he and I'm not going to like that because I'm I'm going to I'm going to want these policies that and I had him in here earlier this week, and you know I was feeling him out on like health care for all. I was just and then now. Derek Van Orden's going to have to do the same thing, right? Don't, does Derek Van Orden have to come to the middle a little bit? Yeah, it was very interesting, Rick, to watch Derek Van Orden in these last couple of days because Derek Van Orden is someone, if you follow his social media, he's very interested in these culture war type issues like transgender and critical race theory. He really is interested in these issues that animate the Republican Party base. But in a recent interview, he said that his key issues are gas and groceries in terms of the prices. And in his first ad that he released, he said that his big issues are having term limits and not allowing politicians to be lobbyists after they leave office. So that represents a change in terms of branding himself as like a a, a political outsider, someone who wants to shake things up in Washington and someone who's really concerned about those kitchen table economic issues. I think his advisors were probably telling him to focus on those economic issues that affect people's day-to-day lives and to not focus so much on those culture war type issues because you do have to pivot to the middle. You do have to appeal to those swing voters. The strategy, he's running unopposed in the primary, so he didn't have to do anything to, to win the nomination. Is the strategy there before the primary is to outright the right, even though he doesn't have one? I'm gonna I'm gonna gain base. I'm gonna gain popularity. I'm gonna go after LGBTQ. I'm gonna go after transgender issues. I'm gonna go after critical race theory. I'm gonna I'm gonna rile up my base. I'm gonna build that. I'm gonna build that following. And then now that I have people listening to me, now I'm gonna go after the kitchen table issues. It's so stupid the way that we, we call this grocery store it issues. It is, yeah. But, well, well, another example of this, Tim Michaels. So take Tim Michaels. Uh, WKOW reported that, uh, TV station in Madison reported that at a rally with Trump a week ago, Michaels said that election integrity was his top issue. Then in his victory speech on Tuesday, he said that his top issue is jobs in the economy. That's a fantastic example of how you change your tone after the primary election. You focus on election integrity when you're in a rally with Donald Trump. And then when you've won the primary election, jobs and the economy are the key issue. Right. And they should be the whole time if that's what you're going to go on. But we're going to flip flop because, you know, I got to win a statewide election now. Absolutely. And another aspect of this, Rick. On Wednesday, Michaels, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, on Wednesday, Michaels quietly removed from his candidate biography Trump's endorsement. But a New York Times reporter noticed this, and then it was re-added <laughs> to the campaign website. So that's a big question. Like, how much does Tim Michaels lean on Donald Trump's endorsement now that he has won the primary election? Donald Trump only has about 34% favorability in Wisconsin, according to the most recent Marquette University Law School poll. So he's very useful. Trump is in a Republican primary. But if only 34% of the public has a positive opinion of Donald Trump, then you might have to change your tune a little bit on him in the general election. Yeah, and that'll be interesting for Democrats, right? Because they 
they w- they will also need to focus on kitchen table. Brad Pav literally in here saying the same thing: yeah. kitchen table inflation. Um, but Joe also, Biden isn't much higher than Donald Trump in terms of favorability. I mean, Joe Biden is a little bit higher, but still well below fifty percent. Yeah, but at least in in terms of Democrats, can they not point and go? Dude, you you were at a rally with like Donald Trump held a rally for you were there. Derek Van Orden, you were at the rally. Uh, Tim Michaels, it was you were at the rally. You're a Donald Trump supporter, vice versa. He's a supporter of you. Therefore, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get any of those people that dislike Trump vote. That's exactly what Tony Evers has been doing in his uh, in his tour around the state, really pointing out Tim Michaels' ties to Donald Trump, and then in his first commercial, uh, Tim Michaels called Evers and Biden two peas in a pod. So, I mean, you get the strategy, right? Like, tie Tim Michaels to Trump, tie Tony Evers to Biden. Well, with Brad Paff, I asked him, because he's been labeled as in Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden's pocket. Brad, have you ever met Nancy Pelosi? He just, I've never met the lady, you know? Like, he just (laughs) just doesn't know who Nancy Pelosi is. Uh, It's so funny when, like, like, like they're like they're at, like hang, texting each other like Hannity and Trump, right? Like Brad Paff and Nancy Pelosi are laying in in bed at night. Like, hey, Nancy, what are you doing? All right, we got to take a break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM on a Friday with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski, who picked this song. Not a good Friday, like rolling a '90s song. A '90s song, but. Gin Blossom's j- Hey Jealousy. Come on, man. <laughs> I let you. I, let, I put it in the log just so I could call you out on is what I did. Um. Okay, so we're, we, we again, deep dived on politics again, which, which, of course, I have the political science professor in here. So why wouldn't we deep dive on politics? But it's, you know, it's always I should have you on on a Monday to deep dive on politics and a Friday. We could do stuff, segments like I want to do now. Oh, that's so, a good idea. So there's a restaurant. Where do you know what state this restaurant's it's in? In Texas. Okay, so ooh, Texas. All right, because um, we could we could open one of these anywhere. Yeah. Um, you you go to this restaurant and they confiscate your phone. You have to put your phone in a pouch, and you cannot access your phone while you are dining and enjoying your meal. Very similar to the Dave Chappelle show, who confiscates your phone. I think they literally confiscate your phone. Like you can't have it. When you go to watch the stand-up comic. Yeah. So they Is it get, Dave Chappelle or Chris? It's Dave Chappelle. I bet that some comics and some acts do that so you can't post the video on Twitter or YouTube. Yeah, because I definitely I want to um, – I haven't been to a stand-up comedy show with a decent cell phone in a while. Like I've gone to Seinfeld a couple of times. I've gone um, – I want to see Jim Gaffigan, who always comes on New Year's uh, to Milwaukee. Uh, Brian Regan I went to in Rochester. But oh, yeah, he's good. I, I – but it's never been where I'm, you know, also I'm not like, I'm not like that. I guess I would take a picture of Jerry Seinfeld when I'm there just to sure. show like, Hey, I'm at the Seinfeld show. But, um, yeah, it makes sense. But at a restaurant, obviously you're there to, you're there with a group of people. The only time I wouldn't want to give my phone to be confiscated is if I'm eating alone, but I would never want anyone to know that I'm at a restaurant eating alone. <laughs> so this is chef Tim love at the restaurant Katerina's. In Fort Worth, Texas, you have to give up your phone when you go in. If you want to use your phone, you have to leave. You also, Rick, must wear a jacket while you are dining. Oh, see, I'm out now. Yeah, I, I know. I, I don't even own a jacket. <laughs> I, I know. Don't the, the, the better question would be, can you tolerate not having your phone and wearing a jacket? Can you tolerate not having your phone and not being able to wear just flip-flops? 
And it's Texas, right? So it's always going to be hot. So I'm always going to be wanting to wear flip-flops. I'm never going to want socks and shoes on. Um, okay, I, would I, you... I, I picked up on this story, though, Rick, because YouGov, which is a polling firm, did a survey on this. They asked a random sample of American adults, how interested or uninterested would you be in attending a restaurant that requires customers to place their phones in a locked bag for the duration of their meal? This is very important, though. You just say a random sample of adults. Yes. Do we, do we know how old the adults are? Because I would say if they're like 50 to... 70 the i know the answer but if they're you know 49 to 30 the answer is even harder to guess and then under 30 under i know 30, i completely we know, know exactly how well overall the the results were that 46 percent would be interested in eating at a restaurant like this 42 percent would be uninterested in eating at a restaurant like this all right eric from sparta's on eric would you do you go out to eat at all not at all. What's that? I'm sorry, I didn't have the phone. What is that? Um, maybe uh, Arby's or uh, uh, maybe uh, something quicker. So you're not sitting okay. down. Listen, listen, okay, listen now. One thing: my grandfather was 100 percent Irish. My grandfather was 100 percent Norwegian. My grandfather is the Irish. Irish side said there's only two kinds of people in this world: the Irish people and those who wish they were Irish. And one more thing. Okay. I, I. I appreciate you being in Mike's place this week. But believe me, I can't wait for Mike to get back so I get a different point of view. And I thank you. Yep, thank nope. you so much. I really do. All right. Thank, really- thanks, Eric. I uh, I didn't need to go on with the rest of the question because Eric doesn't he doesn't eat it out. But also, like, he's just not going to have a smartphone where he's going to need to be on it because those, those, those people – my parents, that generation, they just grew up different. They're not going to be on their phones. It's not even an issue. Well, here's the thing, though, Rick. If you do want to Instagram your meal, they will email you a picture of your food. So then you can post it on Instagram. You don't have to have your phone. You can just take the picture from the email and post it on Instagram to show everyone the wonderful meal you had and give everyone... A sense of jealousy, I of guess. Of course they're emailing it instead of texting you I the know, picture. yeah, yeah. Old or school, just right? tagging you on Instagram yeah. so you can just save the picture. Uh, there they might be older an older generation running that restaurant. Um, I brought this up in the, this morning and just the idea that we're, uh, we're going to consolidate high schools possibly and then some kids will have to bus from the, the north side to the south side. And like, you know, literally at the meeting two days ago at the school community meeting, just the informational... There was somebody that was like, when I was a kid, it was literally that. Like, literally when I was a kid and it was walk to school, you know, and and issues with having kids ride the bus for half hour or whatever. Kids will have no issue getting on a bus because they're going to be on their phones the whole time. Absolutely. In, in fact, if kids are walking to school, they're on their phones while they're walking to school. I know. It is crazy how addicted to our phones we are and i even as a millennial as opposed to gen z i am guilty as charged i would not want to go to this restaurant because i am that addicted to my phone so you but this is the perfect excuse to like not let your wife get mad at you (laughs) because the phone is in a pouch and you can't use it and if you wanted to use it you would have to leave the 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 table right you have to go outside you might have to leave the restaurant you You and your wife are having a nice dinner right 
you want to for, for whatever reason i don't why why the bleep would you need your phone right now Chagoski? you and your wife it's friday night it's your anniversary brad pav has an anniversary he was in the wisdom <laughs> studio that, instead yeah. of his anniversary it's your anniversary you're out for a nice dinner imagine the audacity that you would have for no reason because you're just sitting there what there's let's there's probably no tvs at this restaurant right so you can't even look up and go oh what is like Breaking news: Some news station is on right in the in the restaurant. You can't see that because this restaurant's definitely not having TVs. It's just you and your wife. And all of a sudden, you're like, "Honey, I gotta I gotta go to the bathroom." And you sneak out and grab your phone to what? To what? <laughs> Why would you need your phone for like like that forty five minutes an hour while you're eating dinner with your wife? To, to, Why would you need it to see my cousin's wedding pictures <laughs> on Instagram? <laughs> I gotta see what Rupar posted on Twitter about the Trump Mar-a-Lago thing. Yeah, you, you, it's it's the perfect excuse to not get in trouble with your wife, and then she leaves. You all leave the restaurant, and vice versa, right? Like you are. It's not like women aren't addicted to their phones. In in fact, they might be wanting to take a picture of the nice meal together, right? They, that's the thing. Like maybe your wife, because she's. I'm just picturing her as being a little bit more romantic than you. Just saying, no offense, but she's probably yeah, sure. like, I want to get. Uh, she's going to want to lean over next to you. Like, I'm gonna, I'm trying to do it in the studio. And she's going to want to do the, the selfie. She's going to hold the oh, phone my high. Wife for sure does that. And she's going to want the plates of food. She probably yes. would squeeze the two plates of food together, try to lean next to you, hold the phone really far away, maybe ask the waiter or waitress to hold. Hey, can you get a picture? Make sure you get the food in there because it's <laughs> such a good look at how beautiful that whatever, you know. And then so she can't do this either. But what does she do? Hey, let's Anthony take your grab your plate, and she grabs her plate, and you guys walk outside the restaurant to take a picture of the food together because <laughs> you can't do it in the restaurant. Well, it's Instagram, Rick. You have to document in pictures everything you do. So I wonder what the the it's Instagram Instagramable. What's the Instagram the kids pi- use. What's the Instagram picture they're sending? Like the, the plate, food. In, but the, the food. just the plate. And it's it's the food. Like in the in the back on the on the like where before they bring it out to you, or is it on the table? Are you in the picture? with the food you might be because people i get i get pissed at all my friends when they post just the food i'm like take a picture of you eating the food at least and then we can be like look at you mowing down on some food rick i i will say this uh i have data on the teens these days using social media in 2014 52 percent of teens used instagram that is now up to 62 percent of teens today that use instagram well they're also they're getting on the tiktok and we ain't posting food pics. Sixty-seven percent of teens today use TikTok. By the way, Rick, the percentage of teens that use Facebook has gone down in the last eight years from seventy-one percent to thirty-two percent. Yeah, what are what is the adult version of TikTok? Like, what is the percent there? Do we know that? I I don't know. It's got to be like two percent. Yeah, because Senate I, candidate. I even, I even feel like I'm too old to understand TikTok. I'm in my thirties and I don't even really understand TikTok. Well, Senate candidate Anna Murphy's got like a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. He's like, hey. How do you get all the young people to to listen to what you say about politics? Get on TikTok. It's just a big gap in all of these old guys that are running for pol- for office. Brad Paff, Derek Van Orden. You know none of them guys. But they probably know what TikTok is. They don't know. They don't know what to do with it. No, no. I if if you're like even in your 30s, you're too old. How to funny do is that? Like we have these just these guys that are just deep dive political junkies. Political, they want to live in politics. That's their whole life. They just want to get into politics. There's a free thing where all the young voters are out there to watch you 
in pol- like what's your message of politics nobody's even using it i mean the problem is you might come across as pandering like oh i'm just i i understand the kids you know i i i get right. the kids and, and you just come off looking ridiculous yeah because that happens too because they don't it understand it it's like when we have senate hearings and somebody asks about an instagram or a tiktok thing and the the 60 year old senator has no idea what he's asking and then the person answering the question who's like 22 is like no, that's not that's not what that means at all, Senator. Like, oh, you, and they just want to go. You're an idiot. Watching some of the senators question Mark Zuckerberg, it's clear that they just <laughs> let's just say don't have the best grasp of the internet. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk. To you. I was going to wrap up here a couple minutes with UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Jagoski. We got the the Evers versus Michaels. We we did a little bit of that. Got yep. that out of the way. We got the we fired Gableman now. Does somebody do we re, do we hire somebody to take over the investigation? It's over. Uh, Robin Voss ended the investigation. He's the Assembly Speaker, the Republican Assembly Speaker. He ended the investigation after one point one okay, million dollars. So, so it is over. We and we've it's come over. to yep. the conclusion that nothing nefarious. There happened. was no evidence of fraud that- uncovered by Gableman. He went down some rabbit trails of. Zuckerbucks, the money from Mark Zuckerberg's foundation that was used to help with election administration. He ended he, up he focused he, on some nursing homes, but there was just he ended up at a my pillow rally. He went to the my pillow, but didn't rally. take any notes or deleted the note. He didn't take any notes. Yeah, he said that he was disappointed in the my pillow rally. That there was no, you know, shocking, right? You went to the my pillow guys rally and you didn't find anything. And, of, and rally is a bad way because it was yeah. it's supposed to be like a informational like here's a smoking gun. Yeah, like here's the here's the data, and then he couldn't get the data or something, or he probably deleted it. Yeah, and he went to visit the Cyber Ninjas in Arizona doing their so-called forensic audit. I still don't know what that term means, but Gableman went around the country on the taxpayer dime and just didn't really find much of and anything. And even if he found – he didn't find anything that he wanted to find. No. But the things that he found that he didn't want to find that maybe like would would – solidify the fact that nothing nefarious happened he deleted those things because that's what these multiple lawsuits are about right yeah all these public records lawsuits that have cost thousands and thousands of dollars in in fact hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayer money to resolve um okay so voss the assembly speaker the longest tenured uh running assembly speaker in the history of wisconsin the most powerful republican in the state yep he fires Gableman. Not gonna hide, and we're not gonna continue this with somebody. Is that is this totally political that he fires him? Because it, it, it like I got to get this off. Donald Trump is going after me. I have to get this off my back before November. Donald Donald Trump has been consistently on Robin Voss's back over this. I mean, Robin Voss has been since the plane ride since, in the private jet. Since the fateful plane ride that Robin Voss and Donald Trump took in the private jet, where. Let's just say Robin Voss was persuaded. Talk about Trump. talk about you're at dinner taking the selfie with you and your wife. That was the <laughs> selfie that literally Donald Trump and Voss had taken. I, I feel like one of them had their arm out to take the selfie on the private jet. You know, Robin Voss was doing it to show his party. Hey, I get Donald Trump. I'm I'm buddies with this guy. We rode on a private jet together. And, Look at how close we are. And now they're fighting. And therefore we fighting. And this is this is politics. We just end the investigation because it doesn't do me any good. It, in fact, it's doing me damage to get reelected. 
This is how crazy that election got, Rick. There were people on Adam Steen, who is Robin Voss's opponent in the Republican primary. They had these large puppets, and they taped a picture of Robin Voss's face on the puppets, and they flung him in the air because they were tossing Voss. Okay, uh, just a minute. We have one minute here, <laughs> and this is important. The Democrats didn't run anyone against Robin Voss. Are they looking back and going, oh, bleep, we could have ran anyone to just do Robin Voss. We could have kept doing the whole thing. And maybe all those Republicans who love Donald Trump, we just run the rightest wing. We just run the Joe Manchin of Democrats in Robin Voss's district. And we, 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 quote unquote, Democrats could have took him out. Yeah, I mean, with gerrymandering, you just assume you don't have a shot in many of these races. But sometimes political events can surprise you. Yeah. So then in 2016, Republicans didn't run anyone to go against Ron Kind. Huge the mistake. year Donald Trump won the election, yep. nobody ran against Ron Kind. Guy at this point now, 26 years in Congress, Republicans must have been just like, Oh, missed opportunity for them. Yeah, so I, I feel like you should just put somebody on the ballot because we're at a point in politics where nobody cares. It's just just got to be someone a, on the ballot. Just got to be a DNR, yeah. DNR in the name, and then if we're mad at that person, we'll just get them out. All right, that's Shergoski from UW Lacrosse. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a great weekend.